Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, may we, uh, may we really say hallelujah. Uh, not just sing it in a song, but, uh, but believe it in our hearts, live it in our lives. Uh, Lord, I know the people here, at least most of them. I know the families here, at least most of them. Uh, I know what's going on in their lives. Pray for healing. Pray for resurrection, new life. Um, that we would be different people uh, to love our neighbors, uh, to rise with you, Lord, to go into the world, to see a big God and not just a Sunday God or not just a devotional God, but God in all of our lives, God in all of our problems, God in all of our stuff. Uh, You're working. You're working in a mighty way. Thank you, Lord, that that is true. Thank you that you gave us Jesus. In him we have life. In his name we pray, amen. Thank y'all. Y'all can have a seat. Again, glad y'all are here today. Uh, If you got a Bible, you could turn in John chapter 10. Uh, If you do not have a Bible, you're welcome to grab one. Should be one table in the back. Uh, Seriously, don't hesitate to get up and grab one, and you can keep it. That is our gift to you uh, as a church. Uh, We are in a series, again, this is the, the Lent season. Uh, Lent being 40 days before Easter. So we're in a Lent series that we're calling He Is. He being Jesus. And Jesus said seven statements in the Gospel of John where Jesus said, I am. He said, I am the bread of life. Uh, He said, I am the door. So we're looking at the statements that He said. And we're saying as His people, He is. He is the bread of life. He is the resurrection and the life. He is the way and the truth and the life. And and I've said this every week, and I will continue to say it in this series. Uh, Our goal is that that we would see and savor Jesus for who He is. Uh, Now, many of us can say, uh, yeah, yeah, man. I mean, I I got it. I mean, I, I see Jesus, you know. I got that. I mean, I know Jesus. I know the Sunday school stories. Uh, But... I would say a lot of us really, really don't see him for who he is. We don't savor what he's done, that he's given us life, and it's not for Jesus. Uh, we're, we're going to hell. It's not for him. I mean, pure and simple. So there are some challenges that confront us. I can say see and savor Jesus, but there's these challenges. One is the sin that's in our heart. The sin that's in all of our hearts, and that sin keeps saying... Over and over again, day after day, hey, you know best. Hey, you're right. I mean, your your thoughts are right. And and you deserve, you're entitled to. And then not only is there sin within us, there's Satan that is attacking us and tempting us. So Satan is whispering into our ear, yeah, believe that you are right. Uh, Believe that uh, you really don't need Jesus. Although we'll say... Sunday school answer, we need Jesus. But say he's like, hey, this money is more important. Uh, hey, this lifestyle is more important. Uh, hey, this education is more important. Hey, this relationship is more important. Hey, these friends are more important. Satan, I mean, he takes so many different tactics and angles. He is very, very wise and wily. So there's sin that's in us. There's Satan that's attacking us. And then, I'm, let me use this word, use another S. There is the society around us, or I might even call it our, our social life. Because often we are, we are involved 
and, and we're socializing as social beings uh, with people who not only don't see and savor Jesus, uh, but don't know Him at all. So we're easily thrown off track or we're easily given this other idol that we need to uh, run to, we believe. So there's all these things that are challenging us and attacking us, the sin in our hearts, Satan, our society, social life. So it's tough, I'll be the first to say, to see and savor Jesus. But we've got to, and we can, through His Word. So I want to uh, look at John 10, and I'm going to read verse 11. I'm going to read verse 11 through verse 21. And today, the statement Jesus says, He said, I am the good shepherd. I am the good shepherd. So verse 11, Jesus talking and he begins, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd, who does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he is a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. I am the good shepherd. I know my own and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father. And I lay down my life for the sheep. And I have other sheep that are not of this fold. I must bring them also. And they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. For this reason the Father loves me because I lay down my life that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me but I lay it down of my own accord. I have authority to lay it down and I have authority to take it up again. This charge I have received from my father. There was again a division among the Jews because of these words. Many of them said, he has a demon and is insane. Why listen to him? Others said, these are not the words of one who is oppressed by a demon. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? I'll stop there. Uh, Some of you know, uh, but probably many of you don't because y'all came to Bellwether later. But uh, this church was started within this passage. Um, our theme verse we've said is John ten sixteen, which I just read. But we began with this idea that uh, Jesus is the good shepherd. And I remember, I remember this day, uh, the day the Lord put a vision in my heart, in my mind that, I mean, before there was a name bellwether, before there was a community. He put this this phrase, this statement, to raise up leaders of the flock who follow the good shepherd. And Jesus says clearly, I am the good shepherd. To raise up leaders of the flock who follow the good shepherd. We're not the shepherd, but we can be leaders of the flock. And you see this uh, this stained glass window. Uh, That is, uh, I think it's beautiful. You know, I first saw that stained glass window uh, at a wedding. Uh, Brian and Emily Jernigan's wedding. Brian's in the back. Emily is... uh, with their new baby girl. Amen. Amen. Alice. Brian didn't look excited. He's like, I didn't know you were going to say that. Anyway. But it was at their wedding. Uh, and we are at this little chapel. And the same stained glass window was in here. And I was really inspired by it. Because I thought it was very revealing. Of what the good shepherd does. I mean, he raises leaders of the flock. So two big sheep. I call them Peter and Paul. Not that you have to. But Peter and Paul up there. 
And then he goes after the lost, the baby sheep. And there are baby sheep in here today. I hope we always have baby sheep. He's the good shepherd. And, you know, the question I've always got, well, what do leaders of the flock do? Oh, we follow the good shepherd, yeah, but, but yeah, how, do they, how do they live? And like, what's different about a leader of the flock? Or what, what's different about those who follow Jesus? And, you know, I, I think there are three things, uh, there are many things, but three things we've really coalesced around that makes Bellwether different. I mean, all churches are great, but like it makes us different in our vision. And uh, we as elders, uh, Chris here, David's not here. We've talked about this. Three values that makes a Christian different, that makes somebody growing in Christ different. And one is uh, simply seeing a big God. To see a big God. Because all of us have stuff that we are dealing with in life. Uh, Maybe it is brokenness in relationships. Maybe it's severe brokenness in divorce. Maybe we are, are literally looking at physical death in the mirror. Uh, maybe we are, are lonely. Maybe we are going bankrupt. Maybe we just don't know what's going on in our life, career. We're searching. We're lost. And even at those points, even at those places, Christians, let me say gospel Christians, we see a big God. We believe Romans 8.28, all things work together for good for those that love the Lord and are called according to His purpose. We believe, I love this statement, there are no accidents in Christianity. And that faith grows within us. So we don't just see God at church. Uh, We don't just see God in our rise with God time. We don't just see God in a small group. We don't just see God in Honduras and we're raising hands and tongues are being thrown out, not literal tongues, but voices. We're like, well, we see God daily. We see God in the adversities. And yeah, we see God in worship. We're we're called to come and worship and to see Him. That is indicative or reflective of a gospel Christian. Someone following the Good Shepherd. There's another one. I love this one, and this is really John 10, 16. We love the other person. You know, love is a, what I call a cultural value. I mean, everybody talks about love. I mean, you know, who watched Super Bowl halftime show? Anybody watch it? Come on, we watch it. A lot of folks watch it. You know, if you remember, and, and you can argue whether it was good or, you know, it had three singers. I'm not talking about that. At the end of it, you know, around the, uh, the stadium, you know, they, they put up one word, you know, with the T-shirts, however they do that. It was love. It's love. Super Bowl, you know, just love. Now, Christians, uh, we love and Love, I believe, is the highest value. But we're called to love what Jesus called the other person. John 10, 16 says, there are others. i got to go to them. And he said that in the midst of a lot of Jews. He's talking to a lot of Jews, a lot of leaders of the Jews, a lot of Pharisees. Like, i, I got to go to these outsiders. i got to go to these folks who really don't feel comfortable in your little society or in your little, that version of church world. I'm going to make something different. Very different people with different struggles, brought together by the Holy Spirit, like a mosaic. We saw about stained glass windows, a lot of pieces of broken glass infused by the Holy Spirit together. And let me say this, like, we say church family here a lot. 
awesome. You know, it should be a family. But honestly, and I've talked about this with Linda a bit. Linda's my wife. That if you love Bellwether more than you love Jesus, then I have failed as a pastor. I've failed as a pastor. And, you, and a lot of folks say, no, no way do I love Bellwether more than Jesus. Well, you know, you kind of see it in the fruit of your life. Like, oh, you know, I love my, my family and everything. And that's, that's great, but man, there's a lot of other neighbors out there. And the church is the only organization, organism, whatever you call it. It is the only one in this world that exists for the non-members. Okay? Actually, and I, I stole that from uh, this dude, Scott Sauls, who's Chris's brother, Clayton's pastor up in Nashville. But I love that. The church is the only organization, institution that exists for non-members. And he used a story about, like, how someone who they learned was a former heroin addict, he came in, and he just reeked of smoke and booze, and they prayed with him down at the altar, and then somebody came up to this, this is in Nashville, and said, man, you kind of got to watch out for these folks. He's like, good grief. Now, he said, and I'll say this too, my, uh, my temptation is being what I call the grace Pharisee. Right, a grace Pharisee? Because I get down on the folks that are like saying, and this pastor too is like, man, we got to watch out, we got to protect the flock here, you know? So I can fall into that trap. But that's the, that's the other folks that I'm talking about. I mean, we easily will love on the people who are cool or who we want to like us. But what if, you know, we get nothing at all from loving them. That's, that's the church. It's not just the church bellwethers. It's, it's Jesus' church, period. So I would say, if you love the bellwether family more than you love Jesus, I failed. I failed. But there's always resurrection. So we can always start anew. And then last... Uh, a leader, a follower, good shepherd, he goes to the world. She goes to the world. So it is very much local. It is our neighbors. It's also nations. It's both. So when someone like, I don't know if she's, is Barbie Grace here? She's teaching? Okay. When Barbie Grace say, like, man, I'd never go to Honduras, and she goes to Honduras uh, last year. You know, when other folks, I'd never go to India, they go to India. Or when, like, everybody, hey, I'll go to Italy. Everybody raises their hand. But, like, <laughs> You know, there are, there are all these people that their eternal destinies are awaiting. And so we're also called, and this is not just my opinion, it's not just because, hey, I like to travel. It's Acts 1.8. You will be my witnesses in Judea, in Samaria, to the ends of the earth. It's all of Acts. Paul goes into Macedonia, into Rome. He wants to go to Spain. It's like always going outward, outward, out. So there are traits that are indicative of those who follow the good shepherd. Now, what's more important, though, for that person is that they rest in the good shepherd and that they know the good shepherd is is with them and, and guiding them. So it's important more so than what a leader does, but what does the good shepherd do for us? And this is what this passage tells us. This is what I'd love for y'all to key in on. The good shepherd, I mean, he does many things. I'm going to list three real quick, okay? One, the good shepherd protects the flock. So you're a Christian, you're a believer, Jesus will, not maybe, will protect you. Like, 
How do you know that? Is that your opinion? No, that's biblical. It's what he says. Verse 11, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He who is a hired hand and not a shepherd who does not own the sheep sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and flees. And the wolf snatches them and scatters them. He flees because he has a hired hand and cares nothing for the sheep. Jesus said, I'm going to protect my flock. So, uh, you know, there's the great song. What is the song, uh, We're All Prone to Wander? What is that? What is it, Neil? We're all prone to wander. Chris, what is it? We're all prone to wander as sheep. Uh, huh? What is it, Tyler? Prone to wander. Okay, the, the title. Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it. We're all sheep and we're prone to wander. And so I was researching this passage and any commentary will talk about shepherds like, you know, shepherds in the scripture, shepherds at the nativity scene, what shepherds did. And shepherds had a tough job because the sheep were always wandering. I mean, they were always trying to scatter. So the challenge is to keep the sheep together, to keep the sheep united. Tough challenge. And here's what's very interesting. I did not know this until this week. A good shepherd, check this out, listen up. A good shepherd, if there was one sheep that would always wander, it would always go astray, bring them back, always go, thinking the grass is greener, always go. At a point, the good shepherd would break a leg of the sheep so the sheep would stay close to the shepherd. Are you tracking with me? Because I think that happens all the time. We got some sheep prone to wander. They're believers, and God's like, man, I don't want to break a leg, but I want you close. You keep going off track. I'm going to get you close. I'm going to get you to kneel before me. And so stuff will happen in life that breaks a leg, or break our leg, and we're like, Jesus, I need you. Like, okay, stay here. You know, you learn yet? I'll heal you. You'll heal. You got to stay here. So sometimes in his divine protection, the Lord might break a leg to get us close to him. But he will always protect. That's why we sing, you're good, you're good. There's nothing, you know, there's nothing that's not good in him. But you need to know that. You keep wandering, things may happen to get us back. So he protects. Not only does he protect, the good shepherd provides Provides. He's like, what does he provide? He provides life. Oh, I got life. I'm alive. No, he provides eternal life. Well, hey, I checked that box. I mean, I've been baptized. I got it. No, he provides abundant life because he just said a couple verses that I came that you would have life and have it abundantly. He provides life. Like, okay, man, tell me something I don't know. Well, here's something we may not know. Verse 14, again, he says, I'm the good shepherd. He says, I know my own, and my own know me. So here's Jesus. He's looking down. He's like, I know who's Christian. And he's also like, there, there's no debate. He's not sitting up there wondering like, well, I wonder what, um, I wonder what Neil's going to choose. Who knows? Kind of, jury's still out. Kind of a crapshoot here. Or, you know, I really hope Linda comes along, but, you know, who knows? He says right here, I know my own. And my own know me. So he knows those who have life. And then look at this. Verse 15. This is really powerful. I mean, if if you remember nothing else, remember this. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, 
Just as. Two important words. Father and Son together loving one another since the beginning of the beginning that we can't even fathom time and creation. And He's like, just like this, I want you in with that kind of love, with that kind of power. In with me and the Father and the Spirit. So, so we are literally being pulled into the triune God of the Trinity just as the Father and the Son love one another. Too powerful work. Just as. Just like that. Which is a different type of love than emotional or physical or anything natural. It's supernatural. And Jesus says, I'm pulling you in. This is that's what I want you to have. So He provides life. And you know, sometimes we think, well, hey, I'm saved, but man, Satan is attacking. And Satan is striking. And Satan hurts. Look, listen to me. Satan will attack and he will confuse. Satan, though, as a believer, whom Jesus knows, has no power over you. Okay? When, uh, talk about other nations, when we were in India, uh, first trip, uh, Tabor, he and I, this was a couple years ago, first time I'd seen this, kind of freaked me out, not a big snake fan, but there were these snake charmers, you know? You know what I'm saying? And the snake comes up, you know, and the cobra, you like that? And he did that more, okay? Little flute, you know? And the cobra comes back, you know, you know. And I love Indiana Jones, but you know, like, you know, cobra, you know, freaky. You know, I don't like that. And here's what I found out, which is even a bit more freaky. The snake charmer is not worried about the snake at all. You ever notice? I mean, I'm not like you pass by snake charmers all the time, but go to India and we'll see them. And so you walk by, snake's up, but, and I don't want this job, but I found out that the snake's mouth is super glued together. Okay? Like, for real. And I thought about that. It's, it's kind of like, um, it's kind of like Satan. It's pretty spooky, you know? Rears up. May look fearful. No bite. No bite. I mean, he, he strike at us. But a lot of the mess Satan creates is in our imagination. And he tricks us so that Christians harm other Christians. And we do his dirty work for him. On the cross, talk about seeing Savior Jesus on the cross, snake's mouth, super glued shut. Okay? You can raise up, but no bite. He provides life. That's life. Christians can walk in life. Like, you know, you got no bite. And what if you walked like that? Change your life. Last thing, so he protects, he provides, but also, last thing, he points us. The good shepherd points us. He's like, I'm going to protect you. I'm going to provide life. But I want to point you somewhere else. And this is where we come to this church's theme verse, verse 16. I have other sheep, not of this fold. I must bring them also, and they will listen to my voice. Jesus is saying, that's great. I'm going to protect. It's great. Super glue. The devil shut. But you got to go, brother. you got to go, sister. There are others out there. It's not just about your nice fold. And so that is something this church is trying to do, and I want to use this opportunity to encourage y'all to take a step with love your neighbor over the weeks, months, and years to come, making an impact right here, our ground zero, yet also to nations. Also to nations. Uh, We do have a Honduras trip coming up, July 7th through the 14th. If you're interested, talk to me. 
Uh, we support uh, a church planner in Italy. I know you're like, when's that trip? Actually, we're looking at September. Okay, end of September. Uh, no more than 12. So, and nothing's for sure, but we're looking at that to support this church. And then we support four church planners in India. Hopefully we'll go over there sometime in the next year. Support a church planner in United Arab Emirates. That would be a Muslim country. Better known like Dubai. You're like, I'll take Dubai. But no, I mean like really Muslim. So like really like the shakes. You know, not milkshakes. Shakes, okay? And I didn't know they were called shakes. I always said sheiks. But, you know, that's the environment that Christians are witnessing to. I met our brother Saeed, who was baptized a couple weeks ago. You know, Saeed's here today, and he and I have had conversations. You know, Christians who minister and witness at the cost of their physical life. You know, that does happen. So, man, I, I love these others so much because Jesus loves them, and this is where we're called to go. So as a church, as a people, Jesus is clear. He points us. There are brothers and sisters or actually brothers and sisters, not yet, but there are people that are dear to him. And he wants us to go to him. Neighbors and nations. Nations and neighbors. Both. So the good shepherd, he, he will protect you. He provides. But he points. And, and the last thing, you know, I read these last couple verses. Jesus is not speaking. I Nearly didn't, and I just read over them, and the Lord put this on me because this is a lot. Uh, some of y'all have probably heard the famous question of uh, C.S. Lewis. He says, who is Jesus to you? Because he's not just a good guy. He's not just a solid teacher. He's not just a moral example. He is either who he says he is, or he's either insane, which they say, the Pharisees, or worse, He's demon-possessed, which they say. And so I'd ask, like, who, who is Jesus? To, is he the good shepherd? The good shepherd that always protects, even facing physical death. The good shepherd who provides life in abundance. Yet the good shepherd who points, like there is a mission. Our lives as followers of the good shepherd is to live on mission, neighbors and nations. And again, I mean, if you love a church or a group, or a group of Christians more than Jesus, then we need to recalibrate because the mission is Jesus and He points us outward. So I would just say that. Who is Jesus to you? And the last couple words He said, uh, or one of the Pharisees said, well, can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Here's the deal. Uh, I can't open your eyes. can't. Uh, no person can open your eyes. The Holy Spirit can. And what has to happen is that we have to see differently. It's, it's a different, this Christianity stuff, the real, is a different worldview. It's a different way of seeing your life. That life is not just over at physical death, but life goes on and on, and that there is a purpose in eternity. And this life, and I really believe it, this life is an internship for our life forever. And there are not just uh, souls that are lifted up in heaven, but there are roles the souls will play. And that Jesus provides life, and it's all about him. It's centered in him. So I pray that the Holy Spirit would 
open the eyes of the blind and you would see Jesus and you'd savor all he has for your life. Not just what he's done, all he has for your life. Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, thank you for your word, your mission. Uh, I pray more people would be alive in your mission because it is not perfunctory. It is not a duty. It is not something that makes us a good person. It is life. It is life in the good times. It is life in the dark times. It is life abundantly. Thank you, Lord Jesus. We worship you now in your name. Amen.